You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassfin Securities in Johannesburg. The market's actually gratifyingly quiet. I mean, I've got on my screen with an hour to go to the close of the JSC. S&P 500 is flat. JSC top 40 is flat. So is the overall all-share index. There's been a few sets of results, but nothing much. It's almost as though the market's exhausted with so much news and volatility. They're taking a day off, David. I think you're right. I, I, I think we're having great trouble um, analyzing and digesting what's happened. You know, we've had a massive increase in U.S. interest rates. Yes. I mean, um, I'm not a person I, I watch from the side. I'm not involved in the U.S. bond markets. But, I mean, the the gains that they have been made, because remember, for um, when interest rates go up, the capital goes down. And I mean, this is this has been the equivalent of a slaughter, of a massive fall that we, you know, uh, to give you the equivalent in equity markets. I don't – so – so it has caused um, a lot of upsets there. The money's flown out of bonds and gone into equity. So one doesn't feel comfortable about equities. It's lovely to see equities steadying, but that seems to be a safe harbor rather than buying them because one believes that uh, um, there's going to be economic growth and these companies are going to do well. So it's been very hard. And then we've got oil all over the place. Mm. So. To be fair, Lindsay, what, what, what's not bothering me, what, uh, what I'm looking at, I'm saying, well, where is this going to settle? You know, you know what I mean? When is it going to come down that it settles and we can start looking at the fundamentals and what this all means? But at the moment, I think there's, there's, there's so much uncertainty. It's very difficult to apply this to a strategy and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and go forward. You know, we've got money. Mm. We've, got, we've got money sitting on the sidelines. Uh, and we're saying, do we or don't we? You know, uh, should we go in or shouldn't we? And and it's I I'm finding it a very difficult uh, you know very difficult decision. Um, I'm hoping that it settles. You know, I'm hoping that we get some clarity. But this is not going to settle until we have some resolution between the Russians and uh, Ukraine because we don't know what Russia's next move is. Uh, we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what Putin's well, got it's, up it's, it's the thing is, it's not a democratically elected person because every single election in Russia uh, since he was put into, in, into power has been rigged. It's, it's completely, mm. it, it's, it's rigged in his favour and we know that because he's a dictator. Uh, and it doesn't help that Biden says, well, I think he can't stay in power anymore. And then the White House official says, no, he didn't really mean to say that. It's not regime change <laughs> he, he, he wants. I mean, and then Biden probably sits sits back and uh, has has a little bit of a nap and then wakes up and doesn't remember what he said. Mm -hmm. But it's the most extraordinary <laughs> foreign policy gaffes he's been making recently. I really, yeah. I, believe, I mean, uh, he's infinitely okay. preferable to, to Trump. But on the other hand, he, where are the real leaders, David? This is what I want to know. I'm not, you know, Europe has been okay. Macron has been okay. He's been trying. I think they've all been trying to... Uh, to get everybody together, you know, to, to have a coordinated effort. But the yes. problem is that when you start to see these gaffes, then it, 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 it breaks up um, their, their, the opposition to, uh, to Russia. I think you've got to have a unified opposition. You can't you have everybody thinking the same way. And this is what worries me. The longer it goes on, the more chance there is of cracks, you know, of cracks emerging. They're, they're, that, that's the problem. 
And we, we also don't know what this means for the economies of each country. Uh, each country has a different relationship with, um, you know, with, with Russia and with Ukraine. So, so Lindsay, it's, it's embracing everything from oil to gas to other kinds of metals. Uh, we now, I, I read on the weekend, uh, worries about uh, fertilizer. You know, mm. apparently America imports a huge amount of fertilizer from, uh, you know, from Russia. Prices are going up, which means the cost of sowing, uh, the cost, you know, is, is uh, of producing wheat uh, is going up or, or anything else or any grown product. So all of a sudden, every day, there's something new, some new dynamic uh, to the market that has to be absorbed. Or has to be understood. To give you an idea, I'm just looking, I was looking very briefly at uh, Huleman's results. Now, Huleman's been a company that's been under significant pressure over the last couple of years, but all of a sudden comes out with these stunning numbers. Why? Because the aluminium price has gone through the roof. You know, it's, uh, mm. it's, 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 you know, there's been huge, which has enabled them to sell at a lot higher prices. I mean, that's one. That, that, that was one small um, consequence of, of where we are at the moment, you know, these record aluminium prices. There were, four, there, were, there were four sets of numbers out from South Africa-specific yes. companies today. There was Hulamin, and they were good numbers, as you quite mm. rightly say. And there's one particular fund manager in Cape Town who has, has been widely attributed to picking that one and has made an absolute fortune out of it on his personal account. And he's, he's declared it and everything, but he's done incredibly well. Then there was Advertech. They came out, and their share price was up 2%, two, 2.5% two to start with. It's mm. fallen back a bit now. Uh, York Timbers came out with something this afternoon, and also Robex. They had a, a decent trading update. So there are some smaller, and when I say smaller, I mean much smaller South African companies mm. like the four I've just mentioned that are doing rather well and will continue to do so, which is which is good, I suppose, especially for smaller investors. Yeah. You know, they, look, we've come from a very low base, um, and that's not – I'm not um, – I'm not saying that's one of the reasons that results are good, but overall, um, our, our businesses are well run, and they adapt to what are very difficult circumstances. So, yes. um, the, you know what you're talking about at the moment. Some of these businesses that are coming out with results are coming out with pretty decent. You know, they're doing okay. I think one of the problems is that these are very small companies, and. Uh, uh, it's it's a difficult issue to say, you know, do we take a big chunk? Um, I, if you're running smaller portfolios and you're only looking for, you know, uh, a, a limited exposure, you, you can do pretty well out of these businesses. Yeah. And uh, so understand that if you, you look at, you know, you mentioned, we give, I'll give you, uh, let, let, let's take, for example, Robix, which I like. I mean, Robix is one of the few companies, uh, uh, what do you call it, it's, 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 it's one of the few construction companies that has held its head up pretty high and has done well. It hasn't fallen in a heap. It hasn't collapsed. It's had hard times because there is no spending. You know, whether they, they've also gone, I think, into, uh, into to the mining side, but uh, they were very you know, strongly associated with road building and things like that. And I mean, there just hasn't been any expenditure, but they've done okay. You know, you can't fault them. But it's a seven billion company. So, you know, if, if we look at seven billion compared with what's it, uh, 
BHP, which is a trillion rand. You know, so yeah. that that's the comparison. So liquidity remains pretty tight. So if you want to buy a chunk, um, you don't have. You know, you it, it, it's very hard. So even today, uh, maybe five million rands worth of Robex trade. Um, that's very small if you've got a you know, large client base and you want to get a fairly decent uh, exposure. But if you're a, you know, that's that's the point is that if you're running your own portfolio and you only have a few hundred thousand, I'm talking about maybe younger people, whatever it is, then and you do your homework. There's some really good little businesses here. York Timbers, for example, yes, um, has a market cap of less than a billion rand. You know, so you can't buy shares. Uh, less than twenty four thousand rands worth of shares traded today. That's on a day where the results it shouldn't came be out. on the exchange. So, you know. It shouldn't be on the exchange. Well, David. I mean, that, let's be that, fair. But it you shouldn't see what's be. happening? That Lindsay, that's what's happening is that we're ignoring them, and private equity coming in and taking them out, or alternatively, management's uh, buying out them, you know, buying themselves out as well. And I think that's going to be the trend. And uh, it's it's yeah you know taking more companies off the off the market. York Timbers has had a rough time. <laughs> I've always watched it from outside. I mean they grow trees and they cut down the trees and they use the wood <laughs> in, in, in virtually you know that's what they do. Yes, but they use them in a number of industries. I remember I used to have a couple of wooden chopping boards in my kitchen in, when mm. I was living in Johannesburg mm. who were made by York Timbers. Yeah, and I thought yeah, well, there you what are. is this company? Why are you listed on the exchange? You're selling me a chopping board. <laughs> But but they they make more money out of um, you know, I mean out of housing and construction and things like that. Yeah. But uh, you know it takes a long time to grow a tree and then you chop it down. It takes another ten years to grow again. <laughs> so you need a lot of trees. <laughs> Sounds like life, uh, David. Uh, going from small to big. I was mm -hmm. watching a program uh, about yeah. uh, the unionisation, or rather the uh, the lack of unionisation of Amazon. They don't have unions. The yeah. uh, s s most of the management don't want them to be controlled by unions. They say we'd rather engage with our our employees directly rather than go through a union. I was watching, they, they had these shots of these warehouses that Amazon have in the United States of America. It's unbelievable. They're, they're like the, the size of small towns. There was one in Alabama and there was a drone flying over it. Extraordinary amount of logistics involved with the Amazon, the daily Amazon operation, which is 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. This is a monster of a company. I mean, I know you, you, you're well, familiar it, with it. It's, it, it the, the, the size mm. of it startled me, really. Yeah, it is. No, it's it's an enormous business, and and uh, they reinvest on an annual basis something like fifty billion, I think, mm. dollars, fifty billion on that technology. And if you look at the technology within one of those distribution centers, I mean, it's it, it is from a future age. And I think that's what the attraction of, of, of Amazon is. So, you know, Bezos started and they continue uh, along the same path of just reinvesting every year, improving uh, the quality of their, uh, you know, the quality of their uh, offering. Um, now they're in movies as well. <laughs> so they're in everything and they're in web services. So they've got a very, you know, it, it's, it's quite diversified. But I mean, you can't ignore the importance of it. And, and I think that technology gives them that uh, operational edge, you know, that um, it, it just it, it makes it more difficult, that competitive edge. It makes it more difficult for, for other companies to, 
you know, to to compete. I don't I don't think that's anti competitive, you know, anti competition. That's just business. You know, they've they've invested and invested and invested in these kind of technologies. But yeah. you're right. I mean, when you look at that, everything is is is. I mean, everything is uh, robotic, uh, and 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 their their whole aim, Amazon Prime, is to get it to you within the same day. You know, virtually, if you if you're a member of Prime. So I mean, it's it, you know, it's a phenomenal business. It's been going sideways for a long time, but sooner or later, I think, you know, the it, it, it it's you know it's bound to kind of uh, rebound. I reckon so. And the barriers to entry for something like that. I mean, if someone mm. suddenly sits down and says, right, um, I've got some money now, I've got some investors, uh, let's take on Amazon. No, you can't do that. It's no, hundreds no. of billions no. in order to do what, what no. they've done. So, yeah, the barriers to entry. And I agree with you. I don't think it's anti-competitive at all. I, I think that they're providing a good service. You may not like Bezos. Uh, but on the other hand, he's done a, an incredible yeah. uh, He's done mm. an incredible job. What else was I going to mm. talk to you about Um you mentioned, oh yeah, that was one, one thing. I had a chat with our friend Wayne McCurry on Wednesday last yeah. week. And we were talking about the rising bond yields in the United States. In other words, rising yields means the bond price themselves comes down. And I said, is that good or bad for the markets? And he was very, not vociferous, but uh, he was very strong in his, in, his, in his opinion that it meant that it was bad for equity markets, uh, the, the rising cost of money. And I thought to myself, okay, fine. But on the other hand, I've read a couple of articles over the weekend which says well, money coming out of bonds has to go somewhere. So maybe it goes mm, into equities. Mm, and if they mm. manage the rising interest rates correctly, in other words, the US mm. Federal Reserve, Bank of England, etc., it's actually quite good for the market. What do you think? Uh, it's, it's, there's, I haven't got a, I don't think my answer is going to be one that's uh, going to change the axis of the world or anything that I know what I'm talking about. But, when I when I look at it, it de- it depends on where those rates settle, and I think that's what that's what Wayne will say. Uh, where are these rates going to settle? If they remain at these levels, yes. then we can easily cope with it. Because um, if you have a business that cannot cope with long term interest rates of two and a half percent, then you shouldn't be in business. You know that means that your margins of are paper thin. Uh, but if it goes to four and a half or five, then it will have some impact. Because remember. Um, without getting too technical, um, you know, interest rates, you compare your yields or your earnings yields with where interest rates are. So, you know, at two and a half, if the 10-year bond is two and a half year, you know, you would say, well, what's the earning yield on a – the earning yield is the opposite of the reciprocal of the P-E ratio. You know, this is earnings over price, whereas a P-E – is price over earnings, so it's the same. You know, it's the same numbers. So earnings yield is is uh, you would compare that with the bond rate. So you know, if you're on a, a earnings yield of five and a half now or something or six, you're still okay. Mm. You know, there still is that margin versus the two and a half on the ten-year bond. But when it gets to four, then it's going to start because you need a premium. The so-called well, this premium is the thing risk. you see. That's it. If, if yeah, it gets, if it it gets to four and yeah. a half, five, for example, mm. Mm. Um, which mm. it needs to do in order to keep up with inflation, then, yeah. then, then perhaps then you get a bit of a problem. But at two and yeah. a half percent, it actually got mm. to two fifty-three, I think, on Friday. Mm. Uh, it's back below two fifty now. But these are semantics. Uh, yeah, mm. there they, they so could the, be a problem. Mm. I think. Well, you're right. So we don't know where it's going to go because we don't know where inflation is heading. You know, it looks at the moment, it is scary. 
And uh, the problem is that's what I was saying when we were talking earlier. You're suddenly looking at the war and you're saying, hold on, you know, these suddenly issues like uh, the neon price or, you know, which is used to make uh, um, by companies who to make chips um, or it's used in the etching process or alternatively fertilizer, you know, things like that. Um, if fertilizer goes up, of course, it means that the cost of food goes up and so on. So suddenly we're looking at, at, at massive gain in commodity prices, which you know, can filter through. So that, that's a problem. That's what the market's looking at, the worst scenario. Markets never build in a, um, a middle road. You know, it's either it's like the pendulum. It's from one, one side to the other. So I think at the moment markets are, are still fearing the worst. But, but listen, yes. you know, we're watching. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't know. And I don't think there's anybody who can really – we can speculate, but no one really knows where this is going. And I think that uncertainty for people like myself sitting here and you say, well, do I buy now or do I sell? What do I do? And I, so I, I end up doing nothing, just talking. <laughs> well, you're very good at that, let's face it. Um, David, um, there, was no, there was no football this weekend. I watched the England play Switzerland. No, and, killer, uh, and the English the English players, they, they don't care. They're more interested in their club football at this time of year. Mm. Uh, they're waiting for the World Cup, which comes up in December. Um, that's another story. I, they, they, you, they shouldn't yeah. be in Qatar. There shouldn't be a World Cup in Qatar. There shouldn't be a Grand Prix in Saudi no. Arabia. We know no. that. Uh, but anyway, it was pretty boring. So anyway, there was well, a, it's only Mold it's only Macedonia knocking Italy out. Oh, that was quite good, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's two oh, World see, Cups in a row that they haven't qualified. I know. I mean, which is unbelievable. Man. They won the Euro they won the Euros last year and, and they didn't, no, no. couldn't even qualify against North Macedonia. No. Nothing against North no. Macedonians, because no. I've got a huge North Macedonian <laughs> uh, fan base. But the point is <laughs> <laughs> they got knocked out by yeah. these these chefs and well you know, done you to know them. I must tell you something. Mm -hmm. I, I, and and I'll be honest. Champions League until the quarterfinals. I have no interest in boring. You know, that problem mm. I find it very boring because you, you've got such a widespread of, you know, of, of teams. They never, you know, the Macedonian teams and all of those kind of, they, they're not going to make it against some of the big, you know, heavyweight uh, UK or, um, you know, French or Italian teams and that. So it gets boring to watch. I, I have no interest in watching that. And even sometimes some of these friendlies, you know, I mean, they're so, so, you know, there's very little to watch um, in some of those. I know I didn't watch the Italy, the England-Switzerland game. I know that was a friendly, but was it? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I just say, just bring back the club soccer. Right. Yeah, I'd rather watch a relegation battle or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. A good, a good kick about between games, Burnley yeah. and Norwich yeah. or something. That's more fun. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, mm. David, so in the absence of talking about football, we should talk about films because... Okay, we all know what happened last night. I don't know what your view is. I, I don't condone any violence of any sort, but I thought it was I thought it was quite fun. But I don't. I think he could have handled it in a in a better way. I mean, you and I would have um, used words uh, to uh, to draw his sting rather than smacking him in mm. in, in the face. Um, but um, I just I tried to watch. I looked at the list of uh, nominees. Nah. For, uh, for best film, I thought, okay, I'm going to have a look at two of these. I'm going to have a look at Dune. I watched it. I last seven. I lasted seven minutes. I started to watch The Power of the Dog with Benedict mm. Cumberbatch. 
apparently a very good actor, but I, I haven't found a film where I've, <laughs> that I've liked him in. Uh, and I lasted four minutes with that thing. That's Terrible a... films in, to, no, to, no. to me, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm grumpy like you. I prefer, I prefer old school I stuff. I like Skid and Donna, yeah. That's the thing, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you as well. I can't stand. It's, it's so tough getting through a day. I don't need to get more depressed by watching movies. Yeah. I want escapism, you know, whether it's a Woody Allen movie or something like that. I don't care. But you just want to laugh and you just want to enjoy uh, sometimes visually. But uh, I'm, I must admit that um, I find it very difficult to get excited about these movies. And I'm not a movie buff. I mean, if you're a movie buff, I'm sure some of these are very good. But, you know, if I'm going to watch a cowboy movie, I want to watch – the good guy in, you know, on a white horse with a white hat and the bad guy with a black hat, you know, or a strange moustache. Like those were great, you know. The, uh, Do you know what uh, I've been watching recently? I've, I've watched a series mm. of Clint Eastwood films. When I watched Power of the mm. Dog, uh, or tried oh, to watch it, and it was so dreary. I've watched Clint Eastwood. I've watched one called High Plains Drifter, then The Outlaw Josie Wales, and then um, the other one was uh, the Pale Italian, Rider. The, the Spaghetti oh, Westerns, they were great. Yeah, Good, the Bad uh, and the Ugly, yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, those are super. So, I, look, that's, that's, that's my escapism. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, I find myself going on to Netflix or any of the other streaming, and I keep, I spend more time pressing, you know, looking for a movie than actually watching movies. Okay, on that note, we'll uh, leave it, David. So just to say, we, we didn't we didn't mention the oil price, which is um, it's stabilizing somewhat. It's come down a lot. It's come down. It's down seven point one percent at the moment. One hundred and twelve dollars ten has been has yeah. been lower by a dollar, mm. but uh, all over the place, mm. still at ele- elevated levels. And um, yeah, otherwise pretty dull There's day. There's nothing on the JSC. Yeah, nothing JSC's at all. Flat. It's, okay. it's uh, at at this stage we're up about. North point, not four percent. There you go. With very few features on on either way, platinum shares are down a little bit. They've been coming down, Lindsay. You know, it's one thing. I, I don't know. I I I, I don't want to um, comment, but but I look at the platinum price. It's around about a thousand. It's not going anywhere. Even the palladium price seems to be coming down quite dramatically. I know everybody's very excited about platinum. But if you're going to be excited about a metal, it should be doing something now. It's just going nowhere. Mm, gold as well, to an extent. I know gold's picked up a little bit, but, you know, I, I, I don't know where its place is and uh, I don't know where the next move is. But it's certainly, I, I remember platinum at 2,300, you know, even not too long ago, it was in the 1,200s and that, but it's not doing anything. That's not, I'd love to get I, someone I, to actually explain who buys mm. platinum and what they use it for. Yeah, um, because a, a good I, idea. I, I think that would be very, uh, maybe someone like mm. Peter Major said, "Well, thirty percent of it goes to here, and ten percent of it goes to uh, uh, jewelry or something." But I just don't know where it goes anymore. I mean, everyone was very, very enthusiastic about fuel cell technology, and then it yep. was all, it was diesel, and uh, now diesel's gone. I don't know where where the demand is because if there was such an exciting demand. It equation for the mm. platinum group metals then why is platinum just below a thousand dollars an ounce i don't understand well, that's it. why that's uh, I, I and i you know i know the platinum miners are uh, doing pretty well but um I, i'm i'm trying to if i look at the chart i'm saying this ain't going anywhere you know this is just this is just drifting so anyway okay. i it's it's something that's uh, even palladium has come down you know we haven't had any 
any uh, big moves for over a year. I mean, it's it's below those price. So if I look at the, I'm looking at the platinum price now as well. It just seems to be drifting with a kind of leaning towards the negative. Nonetheless, nonetheless. It's nice to have a quiet day. David, thank you very much for your insight. Yeah, David Shapiro okay. is from Sasson Securities in Johannesburg, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.